Welcome everybody to the 423 Soccer Pod. This is Jim, aka Chad Agooner, and I am flying solo from the 423 perspective tonight, but I am joined in the uh not the secret lair. We're we're at a separate we're at a, another undisclosed location tonight with the guys from section 109 again. So I will allow them to kind of introduce themselves before we get uh, started. This is Matt Coniglio, and you can find me on the interwebs at Whiskey Is Fine. And this is Andrew Brzee, a.k.a. Breezy, and you can find me at Andrew Brzee on Twitter. So this is part three of, well, at least a three-part. It could inter- turn into a four-part, right? Uh, who knows? <laughs> We're very verbose. This, this is part three of a 52-part <laughs> that seems that seems fair. Review of the 2019 season for CFC. If you've not done so already, I would encourage you to go back. Part one was on our feed. It covered basically kind of preseason expectations along with the classic season for MPSL. And then we went over to the 109 guys and talked a lot about the Members Cup. And I think we made it all the way through the Members Cup, and then took some additional questions, but we quickly realized we hadn't we hadn't addressed really how we how, you know how we were feeling about going forward. We got a lot of questions about rosters and and things that you know we may not actually be able to give specific answers to until mm-hmm. you know until after Chicago. Um, and then we got some other questions, and so we decided very quickly, hey, we're, we've already talked for three hours that night, so let's. Let's get back together and and do another another couple and split another split episode and so that's where we're here. Uh, it will be um, so th- we're going to talk a little bit about I guess going forward the the expectations and and then cover some uh, cover some questions from viewers of uh, viewers. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> I mean, if people are watching us, that's news to yeah. me. Yeah. Also, get out of my get out of Matt's window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Our, scary. Some listener questions or some follower questions, really, because we don't. I mean, really don't. We don't know if. These I mean, for their sake, listening. I hope they're not listening. They're and they're probably just sending us questions on Twitter and then not actually listening to. Yeah, the correct. Yeah, one person should listen and then give the, uh, give the like the uh, the synopsis to someone else. I think that's how this should work. <laughs> so that's where we are. We we've we've made it through the members' cup. We have. I kind of we did a post mortem on all that stuff, and now we're talking about going forward and, and, you know, we've had some interesting news this week. And so guys, where would you, where would y'all want to start? I think stop, start at the big news. The yeah. Big news. And we'll work our way through. Cause not only did we get a lot of questions, which you referenced, we also got a bunch of real news that we didn't know was coming this week. So that made it even better. And, and the reason this three-parter might turn into a four-parter because we have so much news to talk about. So the, the biggest news of the week really is Jeremy Alumbo, Alumbo, is that how you pronounce it though? That sounds right to me. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to call him Boss. Boss. Boss man. Boss Gaffer. Um, so he he is coming to us from St. Louis FC. He is now is is he is his title managing director? His is that title executive for us director? Is managing director for us. Yeah. And yes. so he was the general manager and vice president for St. Louis FC of the um, the USL Championship. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, when I heard, when I, when I heard the, um, who was coming and where, where it was coming from, he was actually the only, only candidate I actually had heard, uh, heard the name while he was here interviewing. Um, and I, I'd heard some folks say that they were excited about his, the possibility. And then when I heard that it was going to be him, I went on and did, you know, did the little, uh, did a couple of, I guess, some recon and when you, you Googled him, I did. And I did. Hey, and me went, too. And went back and listened to a couple of times when he, he was on some, uh, some podcasts for St. Louis and went back and listened to that, read a lot about what folks thought, um, you know, went back and found his, his, uh, you know, universities are terrible about not scrubbing their web pages. So his <laughs> oh. old, his old assistant coach page was still up at uh, yeah. Southern Illinois. So I, 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 you know, I, I troll, well, I troll, I, uh, I creeped on him there. And, and did you then, find out anything interesting on his old college pages? No, there was not. I mean, there was not, no, I mean, it's his coaching page. It was oh. just, it was just basically, it was really just his life right before he started coaching there. Ah, so it was his resume leading into yeah. coaching. Yeah. So it wasn't anything juicy. I didn't see, didn't Dang. find anything juicy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and, and, you know, and he's not on, he's not on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I, Better I, for him. I found that out. Uh, you know, I believe he's got family members on Twitter, but he's not on Twitter. And, um, you know, so, and, and then I think, you know, I, I caught, I really got the feeling that he was really well connected to their fans, to their supporters. And I, and that was only that, that feeling was only doubled when the, when the, I guess, was it the a statement from the supporters group that came out? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was more of a, like a full, it's like a love letter, more like a love letter. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean that in the, in the best possible way I, I have never seen, and I'm, I'm sure there, there's some out there, but I've never seen an executive get a going away love letter um, from a supporters group. Usually the supporters group writes something like, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you did for us. You were always awesome. And then it kind of goes away. You know, it's, it's two paragraphs, maybe three paragraphs. That was like a, you know, a, a three or three to five minute read yeah. about how, how much he meant to the club and, and basically saying like, screw you, Chattanooga for taking our guy, but we're so happy to have had him, which mind-blowing to me in the best possible way I, I just didn't know that he would we would be getting a guy that was this loved and it, yeah. it really uh, kind of pushed me over the edge if we're talking about having faith in the hire I mean his resume is good mm -hmm. and, that, and that's important but also culturally is he going to be a good fit and when you see tweet after tweet after tweet coming in that says we're going to miss you you're the best and then you see articles coming out from the supporters group saying like this is the greatest guy ever. We're losing a family member. That's incredible. And it really, I guess, makes me excited that we not only got the right guy professionally, but it sounds like culturally we got a guy that's going to be a, a part of the CFC family, not just part of the CFC front office. Yeah, and it wasn't a f kind of this fluff piece just, just saying, oh, he's gone now, now we're going to speak well of him. I mean, if you go back and, and listen to the podcast, you know, from, you know, a year ago or, you know, almost during throughout his entire tenure – uh, it's been the same. It's it's kind of been the same thing that fans have said that he is one of us. He he understands who we are as supporters and really really uh, feels that we are as supporters a, a very important part of the club. And that you know that that is evident from really the get go. If you go back and kind of find what what people are were saying about him, not just not just as he's walking out the door, or not you know as he was there and probably making decisions at some point that some people didn't like. I mean, he, you, you can't be in that position and not make decisions that some of your fans aren't, some of your supporters are going to like. 
but all along, you know, the, the, it was really, it was really nice to read the, the words, um, from, from those, from those supporters and to get somebody with that level of experience, um, you know, I think is, is, says a lot about, about Chattanooga. You know, I got a question on Twitter after he was announced and somebody, or it wasn't directed at me. I think it was just somebody I follow who said, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but is, you know, was he not being carried forward for the, for the MLS club? You know, I'm like, well, you know, maybe not, but that is not, I mean, this guy clearly had options. Uh, that is, he is somebody from what I read and from what I've heard probably could have gone other places too. And we were not, we were probably not his only place. So it's not like he, it's not like we're catching somebody who's falling down. We are, we're getting someone who, who I think can, can help us. And, and, and hopefully we can help him with his career. Not that, you know, he can stay here and for 20 years and, 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 and build us. But I think related to the MLS bit, it's kind of important to realize that new MLS teams be due to MLS's arcane and ridiculous and nonsensical roster construction just procedures and, and, and the way that works, you have to find someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, from, from what I can tell based on his bio and a little bit of conversations we've had, you know, Jeremy came from, uh, I mean, obviously running a, a kind of running a USL championship team, uh, but also he worked in, in that St. Louis Scott Gallagher Academy. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't have any MLS experience. And if you don't have any MLS experience, if I'm an MLS, a, a new MLS owner, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm making him like the G general manager of sure. this team. Uh, yeah. Like I'm going to go find, um, I'm going to go find literally like just anyone like that has experience in it just because it's just so complicated. Additionally though, even if, whether he was being carried on or, or wasn't going to be actually doesn't matter to me. I would guess he might not have wanted to. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm, if he were happy there, Maybe and they wanted to carry him on. Maybe he would have stayed, but for whatever reason, he was looking for a new challenge. Whether that was because they were potentially cutting him loose, it doesn't seem like results on the field or results like in their club would would merit that. Right. And maybe they were a cleaning house. You know, maybe they're going through a cleaning house because that's a, they're a part of the MLS bid, but they aren't the MLS bid. But I would guess that he's probably reached the point in his career where you know he's probably accomplished all he can in the USL Championship. I mean, and he's looking for a new challenge. Not that there's nothing else to do there, but this is a brand new challenge. This is a club going up into the third division, transitioning from amateur to pro. And he seems like to me, and I'm totally projecting onto him, so I could be wrong, but it seems like he's a guy who likes a challenge, yeah. right? He started, at, he was the first GM of their their USL championship team. So he obviously wasn't afraid of a challenge there, starting a new team. And this is not a new team, but it's a big transition for a team. And it seems like, by moving his family here, by making this big move, uh, he's excited about a challenge. And, you know, that's what we need as a guy who's looking for a challenge. So um, there's another big piece of news that we'll get to. But after we get to those two pieces of news, I'd kind of like to just put a, a pin in coming back to how the roles in the front office work. We had yeah. a question about that. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to talk about that after we talk about the next big piece of news that came through, which was? So uh – the, there was a Chattanooga.com story that broke on Tuesday afternoon uh, with, some, with some quotes from, from uh, club chairman Tim Kelly. Uh, the club has actually not announced anything official yet. I think the plan was for that to come a little bit later. Um, and so maybe we get to it uh, even by the time this is, 
this podcast has been released. <laughs> um, but uh, Peter Fuller is going to be retained as the uh, head coach. And um, uh, Bill Elliott is going to be the technical director, which is kind of a fancy soccer term for uh, responsible for all things soccer related, but we're not giving you the title of general manager. It's like general manager plus uh, yeah. is, is the way I would f- reference it. And and Bill had been general manager from the time that Sheldon stepped into the team president role from the GM role. Um, yeah, which so, was just a carryover role from our previous right. structure. So you had Sheldon at team president and Bill was already in charge of all soccer ops. And now he, technical director is like a half step above that, I guess, on the, on the hierarchy. But yeah, uh, I guess... Peter Fuller is now the official head coach. He's no longer the associate head coach. He's no longer an assistant coach. He is the head coach. And it sounds like uh, that is official going forward. And that's a, I don't know if a big change or a big shift, because obviously he was the head coach. There was a reason he had the associate head coach title for the fall so that he wasn't just an assistant coach coaching. He was one of the head coaches, Mm -hmm. but it's a little different now. You know, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's the man going forward, and I think it's it's worth also noting that that Bill, when he's when he's in town, spring, summer, uh, just really not like the fall, the fall campaign uh, or portion of the season, will still be an assistant coach, um, which which might sound to be a little bit yeah, that, odd. That uh, that sounds very odd to me. Uh, <laughs> because technically, like your boss is also your assistant. Coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but honestly, like the way, and 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 I've seen this. Uh, really kind of more up close than a lot of people the last year, the way that Bill and Peter work together is, is pretty incredible. And uh, I don't even think they necessarily view the other as like, Oh, you're, you know, you're the boss man. I mean, like they have like a true, like, like working partnership. I've I've heard that from you, but I've heard it from other, other folks too. And, and so in, for some teams, it might be a kind of a weird, a weird situation. I think it's just, it's just us, and it, it kind of suits us where we are right now. And mm-hmm. I think it'll, I think it'll work out really well. Um, and I know that I know that they're both already, you know, working working hard for for the next season. And I think what matters about that partnership is both of those guys buy into that partnership. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, they Peter showed up day one, and if you remember at his introductory get together at Chattanooga Brewing Company, he introduced himself as the assistant coach. And Bill stopped and like took the <laughs> mic and corrected, and he said, "Associate head coach," and 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 he was like, "I'll oh, stop." Like it's you know it doesn't matter. I'm the assistant coach. Bill's the boss, but like it is. It was important to Bill to yeah. say up front, "This is somebody who is you know in a lot of ways my equal. I'm the head coach. He's the associate head coach. So in a lot of ways, he's my equal." And I think that kind of shows the level of respect those two guys have for each other. They're very yin and yang in, in a good way. They kind of complete each other's. Um, skill sets so you may you know not to say either one's deficient but no one is perfect in every like part of their game and they have strengths that are different and when they put those two together on a on a coaching staff it's it's a pretty incredible uh combination yeah so we're uh, i mean I'm, I'm excited about that and and i imagine the club will be announcing it officially soon um, so but what does that circling back a little bit to jeremy what does that mean for jeremy who was the general manager at um, St. Louis, and now he is the managing director, not titled GM. What is his? And he, he was previously over player personnel and roster decisions. What does that mean in respects to him, uh, Bill and, and Peter and him and whatever else? Well, we we did learn uh, at the at the get together the other night 
that in the last couple of years, he had kind of transitioned a little bit away from that and did more on the, on the business side of, mm-hmm. of things, whether it's, you know, sales, sponsorships, kind of overseeing a lot of the more big picture stuff. Um, and, and that's, that's essentially what he's been brought here to do. Uh, I guess, I guess he's kind of, He's, he's kind of going to oversee pretty much everything on the not soccer side. Um, and obviously because Bill being the technical, technical director will oversee the soccer side of the, of the operation. Uh, so who, who do you, who do you, who is at the top of that pyramid? I mean, I, I know you've got the board and you've got the president of the, you got the president of the board. No, Matt is not at the top of the pyramid. Stop it. I, I mean, like, <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty close, right? Matt. So who, so who, who is that? I mean, I, you know what, when I, when I hear, when I hear technical director, I, I you know I hear somebody who who is responsible for the way we play, the players we're going to have, um, doing all of, like you said everything soccer related. Uh, you you also have a CMO in Owen mm-hmm. and Chief who, marketing which, which officer. marketing officer. There's a new piece of inf- a new piece of information. Not since the last time we potted, but I don't think we've talked about. Yeah, that's yeah. Owen Seaton, uh, who is who worked here in Chattanooga, worked with, with the university and works with other places doing. A bunch of cool stuff. He's done some stuff with the Olympics and and, and with relevant sports, I believe, or I the, can't no, the international Champions Cup. That's yeah. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, thing. relevant. Um, uh, well, so we you can tell us about that lawsuit. So there's a specific question. <laughs> yeah, okay. read the, read this question uh, and let's dive right into this because this is something I want to discuss. A, that a listener asked. Uh, it's Galen Riley. What sort of paid staff positions exist in the FO, and which of those are full time? Okay, so I, I don't I don't really have the breakdown for full time versus part time, and I'm not even going to try. But to answer your, Jim, to answer your question uh, more succinctly, the, the the person who's like top of the food chain, like the chairman, signs the paychecks. That's I mean, like seriously, it's it's Chairman Tim Kelly. Like yeah, uh, and it and it, I think um, just. I don't know this from being told this per se, but if you look at the ownership moving around, they had to do some shifting when they went D3 mm-hmm. officially. So mm-hmm. he has now taken on an ownership share that was greater than before, right. which I assume means he probably had to either have percentage shares gifted to him or potentially pay for those. I don't know how they chose to do it, but I, I would imagine that before it was an equal share of eight guys. Then it was seven. Now it's 3,200 of us and the seven of them plus another couple that have bought in in larger shares. Mm-hmm. But he is still the one owner that is on the 35% yeah. of the club. And I think and that, that 35% comes with a, a kind of a mandate that it's a controlling interest. Yeah. And so, and I'm, I'm not saying he's making all the decisions, but I think he is transitioning, or I can't imagine a world in which it was, if it were me, I wasn't transitioning a little bit more from a, I'm the chairman of the board and I'm a little bit more to, a little bit heavier hand manager because it is still my money, uh, a little bit more of my money, not just in ownership share, but in covering losses potentially. So I think that um, Tim has probably transitioned a little bit further into day-to-day operations. Um, And and it kind of makes more sense there. Now that Sheldon transitioned out, he was the caretaker for, you know, 13 months or whatever it was. And and he did an incredible job, but now you have, um, you have several different positions. So you have a vice president in Olivier, Olivier is shared from one of Tim Kelly's business, several of Tim Kelly's businesses, mm-hmm. and he is shared with CFC. And basically, ha- my understanding is half of his time, roughly, is developed is de- developed is the wrong word <laughs> is <laughs> devoted to spending time with CFC and mostly doing operational things. So he helps with finances and and uh, 
sponsorships and, and whatever needs to be done on the operations side, uh, especially financially. But his time is not enough. It's the reason you need someone that's a, a managing director, for example. Yeah. And so it, it seems to me that um, unless I'm unless I'm misunderstanding, the, the technical director will cover all of the soccer. That's Bill Elliott. He'll cover all of the soccer on the pro side, the pro team, and you know, Peter Fuller will sit right under him. But then you have a chief marketing officer in um, Owen who's coming in who will answer to Tim. And I assume also probably in some way a little bit to Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't seen a, a, a we haven't seen an or, chart. An or, or yeah. organization. But then you have also you have merchandise and David Smotherman who's going uh, to answer to the board and, and in this case probably a lot to Tim who, you know, David Smotherman controls all of the merch in a, in a relationship with his store so that he doesn't do the designs but he covers the costs of all the merchandise and then he sells the merchandise and they have a they have basically a partnership agreement and i don't know all the details of it but the way it works is it's not just a he works for the club obviously they have Mm -hmm. a a partnership agreement so he's a part of the front office even if he isn't listed on the organizational chart and then you have um, he has a title he's like director 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 of merchandise yeah yeah Yeah. i think he just gave himself a title (laughs) It works for me. It works for me. He got um, he got the he got the uh, user ID and password to the website. <laughs> he gave so, himself a title. But what it seems to me, if I'm looking at it in my own mind, since we don't have an org chart in front of it, I think it's a a bunch of vice presidents, in in a in a good way. And then you have you have employees under that, right? You have guys like Reed Farnsley, mm-hmm. who who is you have. Uh, uh, Peter Wolcock, who works for the foundation but still does a bunch of work for CFC itself. Um, you have Jonathan Dryling, who's also, again, part of the foundation in Highland Park Commons, but also works for the club. You have Alex Harrison, who's there day, on game day, all day running game day ops, but he also works for the club. So you have a bunch of vice presidents kind of in the middle. Don't forget Peter Wolcock. He said. I said director, Peter. did you? Yeah. yeah. Director of game day operations yeah. and ticketing. Director of game day operations. But he, and so all of those, I think a bunch of those people will now uh, I, I just pulled up the website. Oh, so okay. Now I'm cheating. <laughs> uh, all right. So, but I think most of these, most folks will answer either directly to Jeremy. Yeah. Or directly to Tim, depending on what part of, I can't imagine that Bill is going to answer to Jeremy. No offense to Jeremy. I think that that's just not how we're structured currently. And, that, and that's kind of what I thought. I thought, you know, you, if you had somebody at the top, that of course that's, that's Tim. And then you've got two columns, basically. You've got, yeah. you've got the football side. All of the all of the footballing issues, that's Bill. You've got basically everything else. Yeah, you can divide it into on the field, off the field. Yeah, basically. you've got everything else, and you know that's Jeremy. And that and that's that's what makes sense to me. Yeah, and I I think that it's probably a little bit different of an org chart than your average soccer team. But this isn't your average soccer team, right? But like, I don't know. I, I mean, that sounds, you know, and since Todd's not here, he can't stop me from doing this. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> here comes the arsenal. I mean, that sounds like the the new like the new way football clubs are organized. And, you know, and, and Arsenal has now a technical director and a head coach instead of a manager. It's not yeah. helping. It's, it is, well, it is not helping. Can't take You're, either of you anywhere, by the way. <laughs> it is not helping. But I mean, that, that is, that is the, the kind of the new way of organizing football clubs. And so I, it makes sense to me. I, I, I recognize it. Um, you know, and that means Bill is in charge of figuring out, you know, what players we have and, and what style of play we're going to play and how we, and now of course he's going to work with Jeremy on, how we pay for those people yeah. and he's going to yeah, be working yeah. with coach fuller on, you know, and, and, Ident- identifying, players, yeah, identifying and, players and stuff, but he is the guy, 
you know, the, and, and he, and if I, so that makes perfect sense to me. And I think that we'll, I would imagine that Peter and, and Bill, when, if they need help, Jeremy's the, one of the best things about Jeremy's, we didn't get a guy that is just a business guy, right? We, right. we got a guy that apparently has been involved on both the business side and the player personnel side. So, and, and on the coaching side directly as a, as an assistant coach. And so if they want to bounce ideas, if they want to leverage his contacts, as I'm sure he has a ton of contacts oh, yeah. w- within soccer, they'll, they'll have that ability. You know, and luckily when we got Peter and, and Bill, both those guys have been around a long time. They have a lot of connections already. You add in Jeremy's connections and it just improves our network of, of players and coaches and teams and, and ability to, to get things done. So yeah, I mean, re- one of the things that you know, in reading Jeremy's Vita and, and and kind of what he has done and where he's been, where he's been, and what he, and what he's what experiences he has had, one of the things that I'm most ex- excited about is he, he, he is he started at a at an academy. He started in a youth club, and and was responsible for sixty of those teams, and and then moved into a senior club role. Yeah, and so the tie in between academy and senior team and uh, in all of all, you know, the, the generational club, I guess is what some people, how some people refer to it. He's got that full, that, that kind of that experience and, and, and the ability to see things from all of those. And I, and I think that's, an, that's going to be invaluable going forward. I agree. And another side note, when, you know, Sheldon took over and, and did this 14 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, some for 13 months and, and really went uh, above and beyond, obviously he's not going to be able to commit anything close to full-time. He's got to go back and, and recharge his batteries and, and really get back to whatever all the things that he put on hold. But when you take a guy that is as capable as Sheldon is and you pull him out of the uh, out of the day-to-day operations and put him just back on the board, he's going to stay on the board of the academy, stay on the board of the foundation, and stay on the board of the club. He's going to be available for special projects as well. And I think that that's another thing. You gain another um, capable person to work on projects. And I think that's another small added benefit of getting a very capable guy to run the day-to-day like Jeremy is that you get to free up a guy that was running the day-to-day mm-hmm. that could also pitch in on other projects once he's ready. And so I do think if we're talking about everybody on the paid roster, I do believe that Steve Hirayama, who is the oh, director yeah, of, of coaching for the academy, is actually a CFC employee. I, I, that is my understanding yeah, as well. And so, and, and so, you know, before, and this may be getting way too inside, but, you know, okay, I'm here for this, <laughs> but you know, the Academy was the Academy and CFC was CFC. The Academy used CFC branding and yes. used CFC stuff, but there was a, there was more of a separation than I've than at the time I was, I was happy with nobody asked me, but, um, and, and now, now the, you know, there is, and I think Sheldon being on the being placed on the board or being it was was very intentional, and in hiring a, a DOC that is a CFC employee, but is 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 really working with the academy. Then we bring in um, I almost said Steve Ray, uh, Chris Ray, uh, to do I don't know exactly Chris's title, but um, the FBI director. No, no, not the FBI director. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't remember, but he, he is, he is, uh, another employee. He's another person on the Academy side. I don't know if, I don't know exactly how, if he's an employee of CFC or of the Academy, but yeah, Steve. So Steve is also, uh, a full-time employee of the club. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for, I hadn't forgotten about him. I hadn't thought of him in the, cause I think of him as being the head of the Academy, yeah. but yeah, I, I think that it's, he's a really valuable member of, of the club's front office in a lot of ways. Uh, and I know he and Bill go way, way back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he, Bill is one of the big reasons that he came up here after interviewing and looking at it. And, you know, my understanding is we were very, very lucky to get him. You know, we're, obviously we're a destination club in a lot of ways, but there, there are all, you can always uh, outkick your coverage, as they say. And my understanding is with Steve, we, in, in some ways, out, really outkicked our coverage yeah, in the best possible way. He is, he's good. I mean, I, you know, I've been in a couple of, of meetings with him, and, and I've been impressed. And he also has those connections with the, the TWSA and, um, in, in, in with, in, with an extensive coaching career in Tennessee, and which, which I think hopefully will help us um, develop or maybe identify some of those players that are local, that are Tennessee players. And so, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm excited about it. It's, you know, everything's being kind of fleshed out into a, a real, you know, professional organization, which I don't, I did not expect anything else from CFC. We've, we've seen that really from 2009, that even though, you know, the, I think it was very intentional. And I think I've, I've heard, if I've heard one person say it, I've heard a million people say it, you know, that they, they, from the very get go, they were, you know, they made it very clear that they wanted everything to be run as if it were a professional club from day one. And, you know, they wanted that. They wanted to look that way outside no matter what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think that they have they are still running it on a shoe, shoestring budget, but now they are hiring a few more full-time folks, or at least mostly full-time folks. I don't think Owen is actually full-time. I think he's splitting some time. Um, between some other businesses, but he's working a significant amount of time at CFC. You know, obviously, Olivier, again, is not full-time at CFC. Yeah. He splits his time. But you know, for a long time, we ran an almost professional club with two full-time employees, a full-time general manager and a full-time uh, basically administrative assistant, which was Reed for most of the, most yeah. of the time. Mm-hmm. And now you know, the front office has um, expanded in, and given us a lot more capability. And I think going forward, they, we're going year-round. We need that capability. And I'm, I'm honestly really, really excited. This off season is a is a even bigger transition than the last off season, which was a crazy off season. But now we're tra- we we just played for nine months, but it wasn't all the same. And now it seems like we're making an even bigger transition, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So do you think we answered that question? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we covered it. I think that person has definitely turned it off by now. <laughs> He has many other things to do and a lot of coding to do, probably. <laughs> Actually, a, a few floors above us in uh, in the tower. Yeah. Oh. The, the we're just going to call this the tower. The, the tower. tower? Is that what we're calling it? Okay. okay so we that. have the lab and the tower. The tower. <laughs> I can see uh, the hills of Appalachia or something. <laughs> or something. I was really, I was really curious to see what you're going to say there, because otherwise, I was going to have uh, I was gonna the, say th- the editing process bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> the hills of. That would also would have been good. Uh, do we have some more? Do we have some direct other listener questions you guys want to transition into? I mean, because I, I know we had a big bunch of them, and and some of them are topics we were already thinking about talking about. So, do we want to delve into into roster conversation? Uh, sure, that's a, that's a big part of what we did. How, how do you feel about that, Jim? This is technically your side of the podcast. I, I think. am I am perfectly fine with that. Again, you know, I know that um, you know we've gotten several questions about it. I know also, you know, I put in the notes. You know things that are going to be discussed in in the NISA meetings. You know, kind of the limit on or the the roster limit on foreign players and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm up for it. Uh, so okay. How, how do we, how do we want to start? 
I know, think let's uh, refill, refill some glasses and, and I think a primer on like how a soccer roster is built just really quickly before we start talking about ins and outs, just a basics of how to construct a roster uh, normally in a professional roster, like international player limits, for example. Okay. Let's, yeah. So let's pretend, let's pretend that CFC has absolutely zero players, which technically we do for 2020 at this point. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll just kind of go from there. So uh, you want to build a roster. In, in a professional league in the United States, there are international player limits. And when yep. I say international, I mean um, if, you, if you're an American citizen, if you have an American passport, um, if you have a green card, uh, or some, some sort of permanent resident status. I, I think mean, actually those are the only two. Okay. You have to have a, pass, a passport or a green card. Okay. Yeah. I don't... And, and let's let me, we can let's go up a step and say some of so in the PLS because I went and read what it says in 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 the PLS in the professional league standards that are that were put out by USSF that the league has to have a a, a limit but it doesn't say in the PLS what that limit is so it's a league I, I think that's a that's like a backroom. Backroom conversation, but it, it's so it's a league. But I just want to say it's a league decision. Yes. So when yeah. we're, so when we're talking about these numbers right now, we are using probably going to be using what the other what other leagues I would I would assume in in D two and D three. So those and what MLS uses as well, and what MLS uses. So 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 we're, what we're basing these numbers on uh, can be different if NISA chooses. There's nothing. And, and if U S soccer approves, correct. Because they're in their sanctioning when they go, they have to declare how many there's going to be yeah. is my understanding. And so I, I believe it's fair to at least assume that the reason they all have a similar number of international slots would be due to the desires of U S soccer to develop the American player. Exactly. Make, yeah, Classic makes protectionism. Makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you know, we're, you know, uh, uh, undergirding all of this is the fact that NISA is still, provisionally sanctioned yeah so you know rocking the boat with provisional sanctioning is probably not the smartest thing in the world strategy yeah (laughs) uh one thing we should start with uh as like on the international player limits uh before in terms of philosophy uh because a professional team um or or being being in in a sanctioned league means you automatically qualify for the U.S. Open Cup. And there's a U.S. Open Cup in question. We can come back to that in, yep. in general. Uh, but it means you're automatically in. The U.S. Open Cup has a rule. Very strict rule. Uh, for professional teams. Yeah, for professional oh, teams, okay. not amateur teams. Yeah, amateur, there's zero rules. only five of the 18 players... On game day. On game day in, in a U.S. Open Cup at match. Only five can be foreign players. Um, and by the way... Even though if you take a, an MLS team that has a Canadian that counts as a domestic in MLS, mm-hmm. they still count as a foreign player for the U.S. Oh, Open. Oh, for U.S. Cup. Open? Okay. Yeah. And, and just as a side note, I hate a lot of things about U.S. soccer. I had plane tickets to go to Orlando this weekend, and I canceled them. First time I've ever canceled tickets to go to a U.S. game. But this is protectionism by USSF, but this is not abnormal. Every federation does international player limits yeah, almost some, every some version oh yeah every. they homegrown you know yeah. the homegrown player limits and things like but that. but for every i mean even england has it yeah, italy yeah. Italy. i think italy's outside of the european union it's three hmm. yeah three new registrations um of, yeah. and, and anyway so it's i just want to point out before everyone goes oh my god we're so 
nationalistic or something. This is just a common thing in soccer because federations want you to to, to develop the players of mm-hmm. that nation, yeah. and so they incentivize teams to uh, only have a certain number uh, or to have more Americans uh, than, and have more time, minutes for Americans and whatever else they right. can. Yeah. yeah, the the English league is probably one of the more liberal yep. uh, federation rules, and and that is for eight players to be considered homegrown. Homegrown. Which, mm-hmm. if you're French and go to the Tottenham Academy, Academy. or whatever, yeah. you can you actually still can count as homegrown. Yep. Oh yeah, they, you can um, always try to get around it. But your yeah. but your but your number that you have to hit is eight, or you start losing senior roster spots. Yeah. Uh, so that's I mean that's you've got a lot of you got a lot of wiggle room there. Sure. Um, but that that's just what they've chosen. So. So we. What we're going to guess – oh, what I was thinking about the Open Cup. If you have five, a maximum of five foreign players, uh, that means that you've got to fill 13 roster spots on game day with domestic players. Or risk having – Or risk not dressing. Dressing mm-hmm. less than 18. So, yeah. so, like, if you have a 25-man roster, 13 of your players got to be domestic, just bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, so that – I mean, that automatically pretty much starts the – the the cap on international players at twelve, and then you just work down a little bit from there. Yeah. Um, and right now, you you want to run numbers just for folks who who may not know for the the la- this last NPSL season, in terms of numbers of foreign players versus domestic, as as classified by the U.S. Soccer Rules. Correct. Eighteen foreign players on our most recent roster. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. That, that's correct. It is. So. Uh, I mean, just right there. Yeah, and we, we've said it a couple of times. I think we referred to it. Uh, I think it bears. I think it bears repeating, though. Yeah. Because it, once once the dust starts settling, uh, people that were paying attention but like didn't totally understand it, or like, oh yeah, I just didn't realize that German guy was foreign, <laughs> uh, or or whatever. You know, there's we're, we're not going to see everybody back. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I don't know if I can say that enough at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is going to look – the roster is going to look like a, a practically new team. I mean, it really is. I mean, there's just there's just no way around it. And if we're looking at um, – and by the way, if, if you're sitting here wondering, like, what about Caleb? If you go back to, I think, part one. Yeah, I don't remember when. If you go back and listen to the other parts that we did, we talked about Caleb's situation. Um, and, and I just want – you know, there's a lot of people we had – I think that was our most asked question that I saw. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we, I think we did a, a nice explainer on it. And, and if you go back to listen to, I believe it's in part one. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So just in case, just to be safe, go back and listen to part one again. And part two. On another device. Find another device and then listen to part two on a separate device. And preferably <laughs> leave you a rating, a rating and review. Say, and then rate it and review it. And then listen to part two on a separate device. Um, you know, you know, so put down the phone, you listen to it and go on the computer and listen there. There's no, I'm just, I'm just saying, I think it's just a different experience when you listen to it on a separate. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? I think the, the four listeners we had just dropped to three. <laughs> By the way, I met several of our listeners. Shout out to uh, Kevin Smith and, uh, and Felipe and, and I met somebody else and I can't remember. I'm sorry. I, we were at the bar and alcohol was involved, uh, but I met several different people who listened to the podcast and who all uh, said nice things about all of us. Surprisingly, listen to, to four, two, three, or listen to one. On Apparently, listen to both of them. That is insane. Which? Why would you listen to both? That's a that's no. A bold not, and not, now listen, listen. There are you know as you guys have said, there are differences between the two. You guys do a wonderful job. I mean, I, I still uh, go back and I have listened, re-listened to some of the player profiles because they they've been really good. But we, we digress. We're back. Go back to. 
the roster spots, so we don't we don't drift. No, we, we don't. So how many? I think it's. Uh, let's just say how many roster spots a normal roster has between twenty three and twenty five players. Yes. Yeah. That that includes usually three goalkeepers, and then a. Well, we won't go over all of each position, but you have a, a kind of a a few more midfielders and a few more defenders than you have uh, forwards. And it really depends on what you're what you're playing. Like you know, if you're playing three at the back, you're going to want like five. You know, center backs. Center backs. But if you're playing four at the back, you probably only need four. And and for our classifications, we we classified a lot of guys who play winger as forwards. Four, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of how the classifications for us went. And then when you're looking at international roster spots, just for example, MLS has eight, I believe. Yes. Uh, USL Championship, Championship has, eight. has eight as well. And they both of those leagues include Canadian players as domestic. Although... Probably not next year. Not for next USL year for USL Championship. Bye bye Ottawa. Ottawa. Oh, sad face. Sorry. Too yeah. fast. Sorry. Too furious. Yeah, the fury, the fury. They're taking their Canadian ball and going home, and not even going to the CPL. Anyway, we digress again. Oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so. That's and another the, fun story. And then the USL League One has seven. Is it League One? Yeah, Is that yeah. Right? That's, that's I get those confused. And then League Two, I don't, I don't know their roster restrictions, but they're non-professional, so their rosters change dramatically. They they set their own roster restrictions yeah. at that point. So you look at what those leagues have, and um, by the way, those assets Jeremy confirmed, and I'd heard this before, are tradable in in USL. Mm-hmm. So you can if and, you and in MLS and in MLS. Yeah. So. We can reasonably assume, and this is not a guarantee, but we going off the assumption that the one I'm going off of is that we will have somewhere close to seven. It makes sense. The NASL had seven yes. um, yeah. foreign but roster I, spots. But I do know, you know, I've talked to a couple of people. We are pushing. We are going to be asking for more. Yeah. Um, so we are we asking that the NISA limit is higher than seven. And, and to be honest, they have, uh, my understanding – what, what I was told by one person, and I've never confirmed this, but there's also a game day limit in, in USL. Yes. And there game is. Game limit is five. So the game day limit in USL is five. So but, similar to the Open Cup. Right. But the, the roster limit is eight, and then will soon be seven. And I would love to see if I could, if I could just ask to have my, have my way. I w- if we're not going to do no rules, which I would also love, um, <laughs> if we're not going to do no rules, then 10 and seven. 10 on the roster, seven on the game day. Potentially, or t- just ten overall, but ten and seven would be absolutely excellent. You but mentioned as- you mentioned the NASL earlier. Uh, they also so they had seven for for mm-hmm. foreign players on the roster. They had no game day restrictions. Right. So I would imagine, uh, I would imagine that Nisa takes a similar Approach. a similar rule for no yeah. game day restrictions, uh, which is better. I would to also. Be honest, less I would. Rules. I would also bet yeah. that fewer. Yes, fewer. I, w- I would also bet in the end. Well, and again, I, no well, one likes a pedant. Well, actually, <laughs> that's Matt's role. Jim, you can't take Matt's job. We'll we'll probably find out, you know, soon enough what the rules. Are. At least I hope we find out what the rules are soon enough. Uh, yeah, I think Jeremy alluded to, and others had alluded to it as well. The the NISA Board of Governors meets this week or this next week. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, next week. Yeah, um, probably around the time you're listening to this, potentially. So we may learn more, and we should learn more because teams are trying to sign players right now. Yep. And they can't sign players because they don't know how many because they don't know how many roster slots. Yeah. They don't know if it's five. There were very very strong rumors that it was five international spots only, which changes the way you build a roster, right? Because if if you think about it, if we're building a roster, if you have ten guys. Five and, and or you have five guys. It's a massive difference. On five guys, you have to hit every single one as a home run. 
they or as a double, you know, if you're using a baseball analogy, you've got to hit, you've got to do well with all of those. Whereas if you have 10, you could get five guys that you know exactly what they bring and five guys that, you know, you hope are home runs or are doubles in this analogy. And then you could pick five more guys that you hope are home runs that are risky, risk reward guys, guys that maybe are, are you take a chance on, but you can't, it, it changes the way you build a whole roster because the rest of the players you sign are going to have to be uh, different and different types of players. So I hope they get that figured out very quickly and, like again, what Matt said is true. We had 18 players that would classify as be classified as foreign players by these roster restrictions. We're likely to have seven next year, and honestly, it's likely that not all seven of those come from that 18. Um, just based on reality, yeah, you, you're always going to look for new players. We look for new players every year, and I can't imagine we're going to sign. I mean, we're stepping we're stepping of, up a level. So. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. So you, you know, I, I would guess that we see. A lot of returners that are classified as domestic, um, and I would guess that we see just a handful of guys who are classified as internationals that return. And while like my that hurts my heart in a lot of ways because I, I like those guys a lot, I, that's just the reality of the business. Yeah, I mean, and so it, there's a lot of work to do because you you know you're talking about right now maybe what you how many how many do how many domestics did we have last year? You said that uh, uh, it was it was. Eight. It was six, seven. Six. It was. It's eight. Eight. It's. It's. It was. Or se- I guess it's seven. If if Hugo, I don't know if Hugo counts as domestic. Oh, I don't know, but he's, and, and he's if, kind of the fourth keeper. So. And, and if you count, yeah. um, what was the name of our four, of our other fourth keeper, who played our who played third or who was then third keeper and then played Bennett? No. Um, oh, Jacob. From, Jacob. Jacob was a domestic. If you count him as well, but yeah, uh, realistically, we had six or seven. Yeah, so you had on, six on or the seven whole, that were on the whole year. Caleb has already told us he's not coming. He will not be coming back. So that drops it down one. If all of them come back, I mean, we're, we're looking at domestics wise. We're looking at Phil. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at Cam. We're looking at Soren. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, Wheezy or Joanne lately. Uh, one, two, three, four. Obviously, Caleb was five. Um, Who are we forgetting? Y- you know what? I don't. That's five guys. We had eighteen foreign players. That makes twenty-three. We're probably not counting. Um, probably not counting Bennett in that. So that'd be twenty-four players. Yeah, that'd that, be, that's, probably, that's probably right. I, yeah. might, I might be forgetting one that I just. Well, and, so and, with those, with those, let's just this for argument's sake. Five. We'll, so we'll have five domestics that may be coming back. Maybe, and of the foreign players, we're talking about, you know, a handful. So you're talking about two, maybe three or four. Let's let's split it in half and say four. four. Say we bring back four and we take three new. Yeah, so that's nine, and so you're talking about what sixteen players that we do not know, and so, um, you oh, know, it's, we forgot. Uh, we forgot Zeka. Oh, Zeka, of course. <laughs> well, sorry, Zeka. Sorry, Zeka. If you're listening for, to this, turn for, it off. What are you doing? For, forgot you got married for a second. <laughs> yeah, and 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 to be clear, I, I don't want to like talk about anybody's business, but there are multiple players on the roster who, you know, we would think of as American guys who don't qualify as American by these rules. Yeah, um, and that could in the future, whether it's by marriage or by change of immigration status or you know adjustment right. of immigration status, mm-hmm. could then count as yeah. as domestics. Um, and there's a, so there's a handful of those international guys that we, you may see back on the roster and do the math, but 
those those are still unknowns up in the air. And we're also, we don't know who's been offered a contract at this point. Right. You know, they, we know they've had their exit meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told by several of the international players that they were told, listen, we like you. We'd love to have you back. But right now, we don't know how many spots we have. And we cannot make offers until we know how many spots we have left. Yeah. So it, at least a portion of those guys, um, shout out to Alan Webb, who sent me a message on Twitter. Um, he thanked all the, the Chattahooligans and the Chattanooga FC community for making him feel really, really welcome. He said they couldn't give him an answer quick enough. Um, I'm just paraphrasing, but he said, I, I'm not able to you know stick around really? basically because I can't wait. I got to go look for my next spot. Um, and so, you know, I love Alan and, and Alan was a great guy and thank you for all the goals and the smiles and the, uh, the fun moments, man. You're a, you're a great guy and I'm sad we never had you on the pod, but yeah. it, it sounds like that's, you know, there's been a couple other guys who have said they're kind of public goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Um, Max yeah. said that kind of a, a similar thing and, and a few others. So it's going to be a lot of changeover. Yeah. So, you know, even, even just liberally speaking, we're talking about probably 17 or 18 completely new players, but it could be more than that. At, at least put it, I'll, I'll put it conservatively, at least half the roster. Yeah. Minimum I, I and probably say, closer to three quarters. I would yeah. say, yeah, between between half and three quarters it makes yeah. sense. And I and I do wonder though if we might see some guys um, come back, maybe some domestic guys this year and next year. Maybe not right away, but this year and next year as we transition to professional. We've had a few players go. You know, I I, I know there's a question in the uh, questions that says what former CFC player would. Would you oh. most want to have back, for example? Well, and, there's, and there's also a question about Leo, I think, right? Oh, uh, Leo. So let's, yeah. yeah. So you, you could see a guy like Leo come back, for example. He's not a domestic. Yeah, I was, I was going to yeah, wait. I was going to wait for that one. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish the primer. <laughs> the primer on the roster. Yeah. Sorry. Well, go, now that we ruined that, go ahead and read that question. Okay. So uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, Corey McDaniel asks, uh, "Do you think that they will or should go after Leo Desmet? I don't believe he's under contract right now. So do he, I? Th- he can take a hell of a free kick." Yeah, I mean, he could. Boy, that left foot. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think he was under contract at the beginning of 2019 when we were building this year's roster, uh, and so I'm gonna I, I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't under under professional contract. Um, so I would guess that if we were gonna go after him, we would have already he would have already been back on yeah. the on the team. And it's it's also possible that. He's pursuing other things. He played in the Greek third division. He had a almost had a cup of coffee in the second division, uh, but that team got relegated, so he played in the Greek third division. Um, he's been playing in in France, I think. I think mm-hmm. he's been playing in the top amateur division in France. But the, again, that's the top amateur division. So it's not that I don't think Leo couldn't be a contributor. Um, he played. I mean, he played professionally. Left school to play professionally in Jacksonville um, after being with us. But I'm not sure that he's a game changer. At the next level, I think if he were American, he's on the team right now. And that's the weird thing about these roster rules, right? That if he was a domestic player, but if you're looking at game changers for international spots, I wouldn't be mad if they brought him. I would would be happy to have him back. I would be happy to have him with his left foot running up and down the sideline. But Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that he is the game changer you're looking for. Um, especially as he gets a little older, as he's, I don't think he's currently playing professionally. Um, and I'm guessing they'll honestly, you know, no offense to Leo, aim a little higher for those international spots. Yeah. Is that how you see it as well? I I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. I I mean, I, I, if he, if he were to, if they were to send something out and say he's coming back, I would appreciate seeing that left foot again. But, you know, we, we, if with the, with the fact that we have so few, of those spots, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I would, 
I would see him as some. I, I wouldn't expect it. So play a little roster roulette with me here. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a, a pick your poison, so to speak. Uh, Joao Costa or Leo DeSmit? Well, I mean, I, you know, Costa's production this year was, especially, you know, I mean, without Costa, we don't have we don't have goals. So, <laughs> so. Uh, you know, and and you know, Allen Webb and Leo DeSmit. I yeah that's I mean I, it's hard it's hard to actually answer that because we haven't seen what yeah Leo's we haven't done seen Leo year. so there's a little bit of recency bias here I'm sure sure but uh, you know I I it's a bummer that Allen has said that he's got to you know he's got to do something quick and so he's got to go uh, I mean I I really was happy with what we had on the wing, what we had on the wings um, and you know with the two of them outside I knew it was I knew it was it was KG because of the limited number of spots, but yeah, I, I had hoped that he that Allen would have been back. And and the reason I asked that question is since there's not a clear Leo to both of those answers, I, I don't think he's going to be one of those guys. Yeah. If there was, if we were, if we had been all in agreement, Leo over that guy, Leo over that guy, then there's a for sure an argument. But um, we don't know Joao's status. He might be back. He was def- He was our the. Golden Boot winner in the in the cup, and he was our co-leading scorer with Felipe this year. And you know, I kind of expected he'll be back based on those numbers, but we don't know for sure. And based on us not knowing if that Leo's like immediately better than that, I just think that you know he's a good player, and if he's back with us, awesome. But I don't think he's a clear game changer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Steele asked, and uh, when we've kind of started cut, touching on on some things. Roster 101, what continuity could and should be expected and what changes must take place? And I think the question that will matter more for us is what are the relevant timelines for roster development? Um, so well, I, can, I can start there by saying probably nothing at all until after the NISA Board of Governors meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, not because they're not guys that we're, we want to sign immediately. Uh, because I, I bet... I, we just listed a few domestic players. Like I imagine, I imagine those exit meetings they probably have in principle worked out contracts. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had heard we would hear some things by the end of the end of the month. Yeah, and I assume that that would be just re, that would all be returners. I would I would think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a handful, one or two or three, yeah, maybe one signings yeah, from sure. outside too. Because if you think everyone's ending their season around now, people are out there looking yeah. for for jobs. And, well, I think the then the contracts. The contracts were up. Oh shoot! I should have. I should, uh, somebody told me like the contracts. The the contracts went until maybe the end of November. Uh, who's USL? Uh, the League One contracts ended at the end of October. October, okay. Uh, and I believe the Championship contracts ended at the end of November. Yeah, okay. So maybe it's the Championship to cover of, through. Yeah. So playoffs. so playoffs. Yeah. So so that so yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, the, the end of October. So those League One players are now. And you've started to see um, some other announcements from League One teams uh, of players coming back. So, yeah. Um, yeah so I, I, there may be a couple of new ones, but I, I would I would anticipate most of the ones we see this month would be returners. Same here. Same here. I just want to point out. I bet there's conversations going on. Oh, I bet there is. And I I bet there's a guy or two or three that have uh, potentially signed deals in in principle. Uh, to come here, memorandums of understanding, or or just worked out and said, "Hey, I want to be here," and they've said, "Cool, like let's sign the contract as soon as the 
governor's meeting is is done. Yeah, I think we have to to wait for that governor's meeting to get some. And and we so we, I think we expect that the guys will be back around the first of uh, February. Uh, a lot in previous seasons we've had guys come in, um, in a week before the first game, the week of the first game, a week <laughs> after the first game. This season, yeah. three weeks after the first game. Show up uh, at halftime. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're we're definitely targeting. But I think that this having year, guys in a month before because yeah. this the is first a meaningful game. This is a yeah. real preseason for a real professional team. Um, not a team transitioning from amateur to pro, but a team that is actually professional. And so I think we'll have a real idea earlier on. I, we won't get all of our announcements in December by any means, but I think we'll get some significant announcements. I would think in December. I, I imagine they're going to start. Uh, they're going to start trickling them through as soon as uh, you know they get player contracts signed. Uh, player gets their their background and information to um, to the to the other part of the club that is not the technical side. Yeah, so the website. They can they can gin up some stuff for the website for social media. Get an announcement out there. Yeah, and so we're talking about. If for timelines, if you want to go to the kind of the end date, I guess we're looking at March matches, I believe, is, is for, what, is by, what by I've heard. February 29th. February 29th. Yeah, I've heard that as well. February 29th. Oh, it's a leap year, this right? Yeah. <laughs> Jim's like, wait a minute, wait there's a something minute. wrong wait with this. <laughs> wait a minute. And a, I was like, wait a minute. January, February, March. <laughs> 30 days has 30 September. Day, yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. So, yeah, so Mar- March 1st. January, February 29th, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right around, right around. Yeah, he's very pedantic. Not March 1st. <laughs> but yeah, roughly March roughly March 1st, we should see our first game around there. And yeah. it's entirely possible considering that's a Sunday. It would also be a weekend. So, so we, we, we could potentially see the majority of the roster announcements happening before the 1st of February. In, yeah. and, and I would think that there'll be one or two in February just because there'll be some last-minute um, roster additions. There usually are, but... Yeah, I think that's kind of how the timeline looks. What, what other parts of that question? Is there any other part we didn't respond uh, just to? Continuity, the continuity that could and should be expected and what changes must take so place. So I, I, I think we talked about all of that except for the desire, of my, my especially my own desire, but I think the desire of the club to make sure that the locker room and the club culture does carry on and that it's yeah. positive. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are enough uh, domestic guys to help with that, keeping Bill and Peter and having Peter here last year and then having you know Bill stay involved as technical director, uh, having potentially bringing back an international or two or three or four that have been here, um, I think all of those will contribute to the continuity of the locker room and the club culture, which I think are very very important. Um, at least, especially to me, you know, one of the things I, I have said before, but I, I truly fear is that transitioning to professional, we could lose a little bit of that special something, not the on the field special something, the off the field connection special something. If you were to change over 23 players and the coach, you know, that's not likely to make that big a transition, but if you did, would you lose that connection? So I'll be really interested to see not only which guys they bring back, but how they try to carry on that, uh, that continuity and in relationship with the fans and with the city of Chattanooga, because it's special and I don't, I don't want to lose it. Yeah. And I I have to believe that's part, that's part of the assessment of the player. I mean, I know that on the field is the most important, but, um, you know the the DNA of this club is is you know I said it I've said it a couple times. There's a real familial feel to the the players and the relationship to the supporters. That's going to have to change in some way, but uh, it can't change too much because yeah. it won't be CFC. Sure. I think uh, there's a part of the question we haven't we haven't touched at all, and it's what changes um, what changes must take place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I and I maybe it's just because how I read the question. Okay. But I thought he meant like changes on the field performance, uh, tactic. I mean, like we we could go we can go literally anywhere with that, right? So I but I, I I took it in terms of like like personnel, like and not like oh. single out this player, single out this player. Yeah. But we had we had a couple of, I think we had a couple of clear issues mm-hmm. uh, on the field, positions that we need to. I mean, obviously, we're gonna have to replace a lot of guys, right? Yeah. You know, with all the foreign players, but in terms of positioning, you know, we need upgrades at. I think we need upgrades at right back, mm-hmm. uh, and I think we need upgrade at center forward, mm-hmm. and uh, and and not just at center forward. I mean, we're gonna need a forward that can play with his back to goal, mm-hmm. uh, because it's just it's something that we were not able to do this year, uh, and and it's very clear. That against certain teams, who knew that we didn't have a player who could really do that? Yeah. Um, you know, they took out the other parts of our game, uh, and we didn't have an answer for that. And when it came to our right-back scenario, we played a bunch of different guys there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was no, like, true right-back no, that, I mean, yeah. that could get forward, that could cross the ball in. I mean, I, you know, you and I talked after the Detroit match, and I felt like we've played all year with really one fullback. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, one full, we had we've had other midfielders that have dropped back to play and fullback. center backs. We've had center backs that have gone out wide and played fullback, but we've had really one. We we got we got outside of pre, outside of preseason we've had one. We yeah. got we got to the Stumptown games and then obviously yeah. against against Milwaukee Wheezy plays. Yes. Uh, and and I wonder I wonder if part of the the the, the calculus kind of reviewing reviewing the season from the coaching staff's perspective is maybe we should have played him a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, but it, it's clear from talking to Fuller I, when Todd talked to Fuller after the Stumptown match, he mentioned him by name and and talked about him at length. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I, I didn't think of it that way. But now that you mention it, there may be there may have been a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe he should have played more. I do think that uh, as, out of those two games, the player that raised their stock the most, and a lot of different players played in those games, was Wheezy. Yeah. I, and in my my opinion, I think he went from being a fringe roster roster guy next year, maybe a guy that, yeah, I don't know, like we may look somewhere else. I think he's getting a contract. This is in my own mind. I don't have any. I'm not basing this on on like things that I know that have happened. I just think that he played well enough. And you looked at how how much he played in both of those games, mm-hmm. and and I know the coaches were pleased with how he played. And he's a domestic. Like I just think <laughs> yeah. it yeah. makes he's a domestic. He's at a position we need. Although he's a he's a midfielder, but they see him they see him being able to play that outside role, and he's here exactly. Yeah. And I, I I think they see I think <laughs> That's the key one right there. <laughs> I think they see him as a uh, as a four position guy, as a utility guy. Mm-hmm. I think they see him playing in the back on both uh, on, on the fullback both positions. I think they see him playing on both wings. And and I think that he won himself definitely some more playing time, and I hope won him, you know personally hope won himself a contract because I think he was very good and showed that he has some versatility. And uh, if if we ever get into a tactics discussion, um, I think he'd be really really interesting in a uh, three man slash five man at I, on either the right or the left side as one of your uh, as one of your wingbacks. Fun fact: guess the position that Weezy first played for CFC. Right winger. No. Against Nashville, he was uh, the second man in a two-man front against Nashville. Oh, he, he just played striker. Oh, really? Green gloves, and on green gloves, <laughs> he was coming off of an injury. He didn't make the team that year. He was coming off a, a bad injury, 
and uh, he wasn't 100%, but he was uh, pretty electric. He got away and almost, almost got away for a goal. And then he played professionally indoor. That's another cool thing about Wheezy is he's a, a professional indoor player. You know, the amazing thing about you two, like I've been at all these games too, but I, I don't know what you two do. I don't know if you take ginkgo or <laughs> – or what, if the, what's if going? Should I be taking if it? If there's some type of memory regiment that you do to remember all to remember all of this, because and or maybe it's just that I'm you know hashtag old. But I, I think it's I think it's actually a sickness and a problem that uh, yeah. Matt and I have that we spend too much time. Want to know my other favorite memory from the uh, from the Nashville game? And I'm and I am not at the Nashville game actually. I watched this on the computer from a hotel room to, in Nova to make Scotia. to make this worse for you. <laughs> I was there. What which which Nashville game are we talking about? USL when they came down, uh, the USL team and played us oh, okay. March in the preseason. One yeah. of my favorite things that happened that game uh, is a, a player of a player that had tried out or was trying out for the team who ended up making the team, uh, who had tried out the year previously and did not make the team. Uh, he got a yellow card against Nashville in an exhibition game, and I was like, "Heck yes, I want him on the team." <laughs> That was Danny Valenciano. And he also <laughs> and he also got chewed out after the game because yeah. that yellow was almost a red. And he got told something to the effect of never do that again. Because um, he got a, he got a yellow. That's not how we do that here. Yeah. I think he got a yellow for a, a, a petulant foul and dissent together, as my, mm. my, I remember. Um, well, but to be fair. And fouling to be, is winning. Uh, don't encourage Matthew. <laughs> first off, first off, the foul was definitely warranted a yellow itself, like dissent. Oh, okay. Maybe he almost no, got her, he almost got a red for descent. Yeah, pro- a second yellow. A second but here's yellow, the thing: yeah. Na- name another name another red name a red card that Danny's ever got. Yeah, I mean, you can't. he's never got a red. Yeah. Well, we don't, we haven't gotten a lot of reds. We haven't. I mean, really, we get, we and get, especially not deserved <laughs> reds. We had like one. You know, we had two this year: this Mason and and yeah and Lima. Oh yeah, I forgot. But, about, okay, I forgot so about the- and so, but Lima makes up for <laughs> Mason. <laughs> for Mason. Listen, nothing will ever make up for Mason. <laughs> a, a, red, a red and a half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I call things like, I there are some orange cards, you know, like those yellows. Right, right, and you're right. like, mm, please don't pull the red. And you're like, that was an orangey. That was, I don't know, that's like magenta. That <laughs> Lima's foul was, was a It was a thing of beauty, a, and that guy deserved it. It was a capital R red. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. Fouling is winning, though. <clears throat> for sure. All right, let's move on. Um, also, shout out producer Matt, since producer Jay couldn't be here. I guess we didn't really address it too much, um, other than uh, producer Jay couldn't be here and Todd couldn't be here. So uh, the cats will play, or the mice will play. I don't know how this analogy goes. The cats will play when the mice are away. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> since, we're in whiskey, since we're in whiskey's lair, uh, I'm going to go with that. But uh, she's, she's busy on the cat tree watching above us. Yes. It's a little, a little creepy. <laughs> Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, look. Now she's getting down. Oh, yeah, because no. she's coming to eat you. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's get, move on to uh, another kind of roster question. Uh, Gladys Pineda asks, any upcoming efforts to recruit Guatemalan and Colombian soccer players? Uh, and she adds, if so, you know, is there anything I can do to help? Um, I don't I – don't, Can I start it? Yeah, go I ahead. hope so. I, I loved how the you know, all jokes aside. I loved how the Guatemalan community showed up when we oh, played absolutely. Comunicaciones. Yeah, um, I would love to see that community more engaged, and and seeing somebody on the field that is representative of your community uh, helps with that. And so I would love to see that. And additionally, um, Colombians are stereotypically and prototypically very good at soccer, and so I would love a Colombian player. Uh, so let me let me add something that's 
kind of a fun fact that we didn't really know, and it's it makes total sense now. If you think about it for more than two seconds, the what we what we knew or what we learned from the Comunicaciones game was that um, a lot of the a lot of the Guatemalan community in Chattanooga was was interested in like obviously there was really good turnout. Um, a lot of that group ended up driving in from surrounding areas. A lot of the core Guatemalan community in Chattanooga uh, is actually not from Guatemala City. Guatemala City. Um, they're from kind of the hills of the Northwest. Uh, they're a little bit more farmers, a little bit more rural. Uh, and they don't particularly like the teams from Guatemala City. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I think number I, I think number one baseline I don't think we're we're gonna just get players as marketing ploys. Yeah. Right? I think I think if, if there's a player that has value, uh, and they happen to be able to, um, to add something to the team, and maybe there, there's a tiebreaker needed, that player happens to be Guatemalan from from an area that, our, our you know, a big part of our, our of our city is from. That might make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not just gonna take a guy. Take a guy. Right. Uh, if if that if I mean like I feel like that's just a baseline like we're, this is a professional soccer team like we're not screwing around here, um, so I I, I don't know uh, I know I, I I'm pretty sure I, I assume the coaching staff has, has reached out to some contacts just to see like who's there who I mean like it comes down to who's available mm-hmm. which isn't for not for nothing or anything uh, on the Colombian side I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked um, just because. There are a lot of good players in, in, in Colombia. Um, some of the, the big clubs, you know, obviously can, can pay, uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess, decently well. But some of the smaller clubs probably can't. Yeah. Uh, and, and and a lot of guys, you know, I would I, I bet a lot of guys are willing to come to the United States, um, and, and just like get a chance to to get um and maybe they need a little change of scenery or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, so I, I, I don't know about any specific efforts. I don't know about any specific players. Uh, but I would, I would not be shocked to see, especially see a Colombian player just cause there's so many just really good ones out there. But you can, you have to put the caveat on there's, there's just a limited number and right. And, and yeah, we can't just like go get seven Colombians yeah, or anything so like that. We, I mean, and also we just, it's really early to tell. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, yeah, it's really early to tell and not really sure. I mean, I, I would love to see. Some more, uh, I mean, South American and Central American players, and um, but we only have so many spots. I want to point out we've had a Colombian American, uh, Santiago Moore. Santiago. Oh, Moore. really? Okay. Yeah. Born yeah. in the Bronx, and and yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see Santi Moore in the future. Santi Moore is a very good player. He's mm-hmm. a domestic player, and he's local. And playing uh, at Dalton State. Playing at Dalton State, and he's come off several injuries. He's still got some eligibility left, so I think he's going to continue playing there. But and I'm not I don't know this from being an inside anything, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him brought in on trial mm-hmm. and, and see him as a, as a practice player type of guy that could work his way into the team um, as a local guy because he's a very, very good soccer player. And that would be a really cool connection. Uh, Gladys, if you're listening, um, if that happens. Uh, and, and what I think actually might be in- interesting on, on the Santi Moore front, uh, if, if you if we did go out and get a Colombian player. And also brought Santi in as a domestic, uh, for example. Yeah, that might help a little bit with the transition process, especially if it's a Colombia that's never been in the United States before. Yeah, it's a little bit like what we did with Lima. Um, you know, they they basically 
assign Felipe uh, to him as a, as to help him, but also to, you know, I, I don't remember if they were roommates, but I know Felipe spent a lot of time you know, helping Lima adjust, helping translate, translate for yeah. him, uh, especially at the beginning when his English was, was, you know, it was really tough for him. Um, spent a lot of time showing him around and, and getting him places and whatever else. And I think that the club has always been really good about trying to pair guys with other guys who have been here before that can help them, um, preferably with similar life experiences. And I think that, yeah, that would be really cool uh, if we did get a Colombian player to see Santi more in that sort of a role uh, if it fit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to – Yeah, I was going to say let's just do two more questions. Um for for this side because we're at we're over an hour oh yeah good call and Pro- um, producer matt not paying attention yeah. and so and i don't i don't know if you were going to do jay fuzzy c's question i was actually i was gonna yeah, go because i, I saw one. i saw you i saw you on the uh on the notes here so uh, so yeah jay fuzzy c uh on twitter says or ask us can nisa team sign foreign players and then loan them out would that be a way you could develop a player and not have it count against you. That's actually a really good question. Uh, Bruzy, you want, you want to take this one? So I don't know, but I think you could. And here's why I think you could. Because once that player, as long as that player isn't on your active roster. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. And register with the leagues, you could not play them. You, you Right, yeah. But you could. they're loaned out. Because they're, yeah. But you couldn't play, like you couldn't bring them, you couldn't call them back from loan and play them as your eighth, your eighth or ninth, if we had seven international spots. Yeah, because they would, because they would count against your, your cap. But yeah. I think you could sign in, uh, sign a player, play the, pay their salary and then loan them out. And as long as they weren't on your active roster and you weren't registering them with the league, which if anyone doesn't know, at the beginning of the season, you register all of your players. And then if you add anybody to your roster at any point, you have to register them with the league and the federation actually approves them. So even in the uh, even in the MPSL, when we wanted a player to play in the MPSL, for example, I believe this year we had trouble with Alan Webb and with Genki Miyachi, no fault of their own, but their federations were slow to give them clearance from wherever they uh, played previously. So yeah. uh, in the Welsh first division where um, whatever club had his rights, it wasn't that they were controlling them because they had him under contract, but they have to transfer his rights so that he can officially play under FIFA guidelines and they had to transfer them to U S soccer, U S soccer had to approve them. And then we could let him play same with Genki coming out of Japan. And I think that, uh, based on those rules and how we understand them, you certainly could sign an international player and loan them out. The question becomes though, would you do that? Because money wise, as Jim is making the money signal with his hands, um, a hundred percent based on money. I don't think we would do it. It, it. It's based on how much it would cost. We're already going to be unless someone else is paying their salary. Yeah, we're but already going to be. Well, yeah, you spend, could arrange that through loans. That but sure, the, here's here's the bigger the consideration in lower division American soccer. By and large, players are not being signed on multi-year deals. There right. are a few. Yeah. Um, but most often, it's a, it's some sort of version of a year with a year club option, mm-hmm. uh, and and the club holds that option. Um, so, I guess in theory. The only way I would be really comfortable doing it is if someone else actually picked up the salary if you're going to loan him out. But you sign a guy, uh, you you loan him, the other club pays the salary, and then I guess he comes back and you have the option of picking up the option. Okay, so pie in the sky. But like other than – like that doesn't make a lot of sense in general to me. But here, here's the thing. Pie in the sky. Let's say we have a – let's say we have a reserve team and we have a first team. And let's say we our, our reserve team's a separate entity in a separate league, right? The MPSL. Sure. If we were to sign 
a foreign player coming out of college and get them a visa. And obviously visa rules are, are very complex. So let's throw them out the window and say that this is easily possible, right? <laughs> I think it technically is, but let's not like get buried in the weeds there. So let's say we signed two players coming out of college and we said, hey, you're going to play for our NPSL team that is playing in this particular scenario full season. And you're going to play for NPSL seat, uh, but you're going to be signed to our first team, but you're loaned out. So you're not registered with NISA. They could play a full season in the NPSL we, on our own team. And then if we, if we had a player, if we were, because we should be eventually, and Matt and I have talked about this, and I, I assume you agree, Jim, but we could actually talk about this on the podcast. Um, we should be a selling club. We should be a club that develops and grooms pl- younger players and sells them on, hopefully to bring in some income. If you sold a, a player that is a foreign registered player during the season or at the end of the season, and then you could basically bring up another player who you were also developing, there's a situation where maybe you could have signed a foreign player paid them, given them housing, but not registered them, and then brought, and, and granted they could practice with the team the whole time, uh, potentially too, and then you, once you had a roster spot that opened up, for whatever reason, you would then have the ability to, you know, kind of promote them to the first team and give them one of those registered roster spots. No, I hadn't thought of that, but that's pretty good. I think that that, that doesn't make sense unless you have a little bit more money. But I think it does make sense that there are a lot of guys who have to go back home after college that play college soccer here on a scholarship Mm -hmm. and that potentially could be a a year away of development in a professional setting, potentially a professional setting in Chattanooga, right? So we don't have a a team yet in the MPSL, at least nothing's been announced. We don't expect it for a year or two. We talked about that on one of our previous parts. But if we did have a team or even if we wanted to bring in a guy, if you want to be real pie in the sky, you bring in a guy or two that are practice players that train with the team every day for a year, um, such as such as a, a young Phil D'Amico is currently doing, though he's playing because he's good enough, but he's going to school and playing at the same time. You could have a guy straight out of school. I don't know how the visa would work again, but if you could get him here legally and, and make sure he didn't violate any immigration laws and you didn't register him, but he played and developed and practiced and then eventually got promoted into the team, you could have more foreign players. They just couldn't be registered and play during the season. You couldn't just swap them out either. This isn't a swap them out one day, swap them out the other day. They would have to be full-time players, either full-time on the team, full-time off. But I, So I do think, now that we've discussed it, I think there's a way that it works. I just don't think it's very likely, and especially not in the near term. And I do think, even though Bill is the technical director, having Jeremy here who has years of experience working in professional soccer in the United States under these rules... Um, is going to be invaluable in going forward. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we have now two people, uh, with with Peter included. Yeah, Peter. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that's 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 big. That's that's yeah. important. Uh, and and Peter worked at the MLS side, and obviously Jeremy's worked at the USL Championship side. Uh, so having have having like just a more pro soccer knowledge. Yeah. On on our staff in our in our back room, I mean that's going to be really important as we as we navigate this change. And we navigate this um, this transition to, to full-time pro soccer. So I'm going to have this one last question um, from Truth Adair. And we talked about Open Cup a little bit, but I, I thought this was interesting because, um, you know, we've, we haven't, we've been out of it for a little while. So it's please, uh, please discuss entering the U.S. Cup for 2020. What opportunities or constraints exist in re-entering next year's tournament? How high do you guys think the club should prioritize it? So as Matt mentioned earlier, we any professional team in the United States, so NISA, 
ostensibly would be included, will enter yeah. the Open Cup without doing any sort of qualifying open rounds. I mean, basically, as long as as long as the schedule is published, as long as there are ten games on that schedule, uh, and it's published before a certain date, I don't. Yeah, actually, that's a like, question. I think somebody's asked that before. So um, we, you know, we haven't. When, when do those ten games have to be? Uh, uh, so, the, so the games don't have to actually have happened. Okay. Uh, but there has to be at least a 10-game regular season, and there has to be a schedule for it. I think what that's to do is to keep some 18 professional league from popping up in Indiana and saying, hey, we're professional, let us in automatically, mm-hmm. and th- without being real. So I think that 10-game, or, or tw- is it 10 or 12? I think it's 10. I think it's 10. So that 10-game that thing is just to say, hey, you're a real league, you've started playing a, se- a season, and you have 10 more games on your, 10 games total on your schedule, so you're not just a fly-by-night, we played an exhibition that we're calling yeah. a professional game, and now you got to let us in. Right, yeah. and 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 I should point out that generally the Open Cup in the past has started early to mid May. Mm-hmm. Uh, these teams have not like these these teams in the past have not played ten games to that point. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, almost no one has. So it's just about being scheduled, not necessarily actually have played. But the Open Cup's also changing. Right before we get to the meat of this question, the Open Cup is actually changing format and is starting earlier on in the year. With many more professional teams now and fewer amateur teams. Amateur teams are many fewer automatic bids for amateur Correct. teams. Yeah. So, which is a bummer, but I mean, I guess that's just the reality of more professional teams. So, we as a professional team should be coming in um, in the first or second round, somewhere. First in there. or we second don't, round. We don't really yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, take all the teams that were in you know, all the professional teams in the Open Cup last year, which I don't actually know the number, but it's kind of a lot. Um, a couple, a couple teams obviously are are not going to be back next year in terms of Lansing and I don't know, a couple others. Fury, uh, but like you're you're adding both Furies. I don't think the I don't think the Ottawa Fury competed in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, who knows? I don't. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Neither Furies did. Yeah, yeah, neither, yeah, that's neither. that's their problem. Maybe they folded because yeah. they didn't compete in the U.S. Open Cup. Neither Furies. I guess it, I guess I was going to make a say too fast, too furious. I was going to make a Tokyo Drift reference too, but that's also oh, not God, in the U.S. Open not. Cup. Um. But like so, like they're gonna add, they're gonna add Inter Miami, uh, who did not compete in, in last year's tournament. Uh, Nashville being faux, faux promoted, like they still competed in the year before. It's pronounced faux moted. Whatever, Matthew. What, whatever. I just fail up. Um, That's actually their uh, hashtag fail up. Hashtag fail up. <laughs> you've got, uh, but then you've also got like, like whoever whoever actually manages to make it to Spring Nisa is going to be included. And, and none of those teams played the Open Cup so you're adding at a the ton professional of teams. Level, mm. level last yeah. year. So we're looking at 10, 12, 14. I don't know how many teams are in so NISA. So a quick a – quick, I don't think just, NISA knows how many teams are in NISA. I was going to say, just a quick little side, little side unless, you want to, unless you want to cover this in part two, in terms of the, like the, the four supposed teams that have applied and – the uh, yeah, let's do that real quick, and then let's come back to the to the priority prior, prior, prior whether we should prioritize it or not. Def and and who we would likely be matched up with, and what and all those things too. Yeah. So 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 right now we we've got Stumptown, Atlanta, Miami, uh, Detroit, CFC, Michigan Stars, Michigan Star, oh, whatever, Michigan <laughs> Stars. Um, Zombie Fury is still out there walking, but we think they're gonna. We think they're just gonna die. Oh my god! I'm gonna call them Zombie Fury from now on. <laughs> if they make it, if they make it out, I'm, I'm making a corpse of them for Zombie Fury. <laughs> Nisa, then, Connecticut, 
Nisa, well, I, yeah, Providence. I was, yeah, those those two I was going to do after after the clubs <laughs> the clubs that actually are exist in some way. So you've got 1904 LA Force, uh, Cal United Strikers, Oakland Roots, and Oakland Roots. Why do I forget Oakland? They're like the be- they're, they're the most fun. Because they're not, the, we, we I'm not sure the, they're the I'm not sure they're the best. The, ben, the, the Benedict Roots. What? Oh, stop! Wow. Ouch. J- just kidding. Love you, Oakland. <laughs> so that's what we have now. Then we've got. Nisa, Connecticut, which entirely could be their real name. Who knows? Um, and then Nisa, Rhode Island is what I like to call them, even though they're Providence. Yeah. So Nisa, Providence. Some, there's something. There's something. And, I, and, and, and and we've heard we've heard a little bit about Providence because they've put in and they've responded to an RFP for one of the uh, there's a there's a I guess a, a municipal stadium that where the Pawtucket Red Sox play. Yeah. Yeah. So or will be vacating. But outside of a, a horrendous crest, I've not heard anything from Nisa, Connecticut. Like I, I know nothing. It was like Nisa. It was like Connecticut FC United Wolves of, Wolves Connecticut. of Connecticut or something like <laughs> yeah, something like that. It was just it was horrible. <laughs> so so outside of outside of that terrible crest, and then it went away, and I've heard nothing else. Yeah. I don't. I don't have any clue. But th- there's also a, a rumored team in North Georgia, Northwest Georgia, which could be Rome or Dalton. There's a rumored team in Baton Rouge, which may have fallen through, but maybe still a thing. Yeah. There's a rumored team in New Jersey. Yeah. So the, the last, so, last week yeah, there so were four. There are four. There are four applicants to I think, join NISA. I think. I think. Uh, I think Dalton I, is not is not a thing. Them. I mean, is there's somebody there. I mean, there could be a thing, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen anytime. At least yeah, but can you imagine the rivalry? It would be nice. Between I mean, them and Atlanta SC? <laughs> it would be cool. Nisa's already pushing Stumptown and Chattanooga now. Like, I, I don't make the rules. Yeah, I know. Really. Um, I don't accept pre-made rivalries from the league office. So, well, And that's assuming Stumptown. I already, I already told them that, too. But <laughs> Assuming Stumptown's here. But, um, Ooh. <laughs> assuming, assuming any of us are still here. Yeah, well, that's true. So, so the the Dalton team, I don't think is is a thing, at least not for twenty twenty. And then no, no, and, and I, don't, then I don't think Baton Rouge is either. Right? I don't know if any of the four applicants are a thing for twenty twenty. Even no, though this is the, I mean, I think this is the deadline for twenty twenty. This is the this is the fall, fall twenty twenty. Oh, is this the fall twenty twenty yeah. deadline? Yeah, uh, spring twenty twenty has already passed. Oh, okay. Yeah, the stars right. got in somehow doing that. Um, okay. So the four the four applicants that we know are the New York Cosmos. Yeah, we know uh, that one. Which, like, I, I think we should. I should just go on record the brand? and say uh, the I don't, most the brand, the team, the I don't know. The, but it, the but is, is it the soccer team or the brand, the clothing brand? Definitely not the clothing brand. It's definitely the soccer. Are you team. sure? I think the clothing brand might be worth more. That should not stop Nisa from doing things. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, as a as a it's general, a very important brand, Matthew. As a general baseline, for all the Nisa people out there that might be listening or you know not. Nisa has to let the Cosmos in. They just have to. Like the league will be worse if the Cosmos are not involved. Listen, I I hate the Cosmos. I love the hashtag fuck the Cosmos. Bring the Cosmos in. Like it it you have a professional fran- a fr- not a franchise is the wrong word, a professional team, a community-based team by the way, with a vibrant fan base in New York City, the, one of the largest uh metropolitan areas in the world. A, a you're, they, they're, it's an iconic brand for all the jokes you make. Yeah. It, there is no planet on which it does not make sense to have them in. I know people are scared yep. of U.S. soccer and retribution. Yep. They are currently suing U.S. soccer. The dumbest thing, and I know U.S. soccer is very dumb. 
the dumbest thing U.S. soccer could possibly do would be any sort of retribution while they're being sued for you know improperly treating and and you know basically screwing over the Cosmos and screwing over the NASL. The the Cosmos should be the most protected brand from U.S. soccer's like point of view. In, in just not to harm their own case and lose hundreds of millions of dollars. I just got a text from Cordera saying, challenge accepted. <laughs> I mean, like, li- listen, <laughs> the reality is you don't you don't let in the Michigan Stars and then not let in the Cosmos. Yes, that, yeah, that, like, yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. 100%. Like, yeah. Let in the Cosmos, and I think that it, it is very, very silly that they haven't been let in already, and I think that there's been a lot of bluster about, oh, we don't want them in, or, or certain parties don't want them in. And my hope is that that's all just fear-mongering from a few people who are scared the Cosmos will not be accepted, because I can't imagine a world in which it doesn't make sense to accept the Cosmos. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I do know we've got one owner in NISA who is very friendly with the Fed and and has teams in multiple leagues. Um, and I, I don't know if that, that, if that's the person who seems to be the most scared. Well, we might have to, we might have to force them to see the error of their ways. Here's the thing. I, I don't, I don't know how these things work. I can't imagine it's a unanimous decision. I would think it's a, like a strong, strong, strong majority. Like, yeah. It, so, uh, I, do you know um, this? It's three quarters, right? Uh, it's two, it's 75. Yeah. 75% is, I think Kivlahan, um, told, well, Kivlahan told somebody who then told me. Um, okay. So I, I think that, it's seventy five. That makes sense. Yeah, and and and, and Kivlahan should be. I mean, he's he's got a, you know, he's a he's a Cosmos guy. So and, and he's well connected in, in U.S. soccer circles. Yeah. Um So they're not the, the Cosmos aren't the only applicant from New York. Yeah, there's a that's new true. Well, no. don't don't tell New Yorkers that New no, Jersey is no, a different place. Bro. No, there's a, no there's. No, there's, there's two New York. There's two New York and, a New, and a New Jersey. Dude, can you imagine? There's NY2. Wait, 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 wait. There's NY. Do we know where it's from? Do you know where the other New York's from? It's probably NYCSC. Yeah, NYCSC. So or, you, is, or is it. Oh, it should be. Like, there should be like a, a like Monster Motown? New York. Monster New York. Someone call Coca Cola. So, <laughs> Somebody, I can't remember who it was on, on Twitter, kind of set, you know, went out like every borough with a team. So you know, you got the well, we just got Queens taken up. You've so. got the you've got the idiots playing in the baseball field in the Bronx. And you, <laughs> um, you've got uh, what? Are, where is Red Bull? They're out in Red uh, Bull? Harrison, New Jersey. Harrison, they're they're, they're New not Jersey. any of the boroughs. Yeah, they're, yeah. So they're in New Jersey. They're not even in the country. Is, is, they're, is they're, New Jersey in the? They're United burrowed States? away in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and, and <laughs> so, right now the Cosmos are on. Are they on Long Island? Are they playing on Long Island? They are currently playing on Long Island. Yeah, currently. And ho- and the fans are are loudly hoping that they will go back to MCU. Yeah, which is in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And so then I heard the in, the somebody said, well, this New York two team might be a Long Island team if they go to Brooklyn. Interesting. But I, I don't I don't I don't know. So I, I do think the one of. And I know we got to wrap this part up, but one of the interesting things about the New York Two team is maybe they push the Cosmos into um, it's getting their shit together is not fair because they they do a very good job. But Rocco right now is not focused on the Cosmos; he's focused on my my favorite team, Fiorentina in in Italy. We don't talk about other teams on this podcast. <laughs> okay, okay, Arsenal. Uh, R- Rocco just hasn't killed Syria yet. <laughs> but but I do actually. He's the one out there campaigning for anti racism, and it's getting real awkward because all the other guys are like shh, yeah, easy, Rocco. Yeah, it's, it's Rocco, Rocco might kill Syria. It's it's, it's beautiful, it, and it, it kind of needs to be burned to the ground right now. Um, 
But what uh, what he's not doing though is he's putting out money, but he's not losing. A, he's not putting out a ton of money, right? Right. But I think if another New York team shows up and he gets admitted to NISA, he will focus back some of his efforts because he said in his Fiorentina press conferences that, look, I, I was smart with my money and I didn't sell my company. Like I, I still own my company, but I'm not can't take my money with me. My parents are my parents are are not here anymore. My kids are taken care of. And I'm not trying to spend all my money. I'm not trying to waste it, but I am going to spend it on what I want to spend it on. Yeah. If, if I want to spend it on a soccer team, I'll spend it on a soccer team. And I think that applies to New York Cosmos. It applies to Fiorentina. And it applies in a good way to whatever league the Cosmos are in mm-hmm. because you need someone with money. You need a guy with leverage, um, in potentially in media deals. But not too much leverage. Right. And that's why like, I, I don't want Rocco running things. But well, I, Yeah, we don't want NASL 3.0. You're, you're darn right we don't. Yeah. But what we do want is we want clubs that have owners who are committed to making things work, who don't fold um, after Correct. one season like Lansing. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Because the, the baseball owner just isn't having a good time anymore. And, and what we do know is that Rocco lost almost $20 million a year and was fine with it because he said, you know, I'm comfortable doing this. This is my club. This is my whatever. And I'm not saying that I want Rocco to lose a bunch of money, but what I do want is for guys to be committed to their project. And I think he would be committed to – the Cosmos project if they join Nisa. So is that the four Cosmos, New York two, New Jersey? Yeah, who am I missing? There's, there's an upper New Jersey team uh, that we don't know exactly where. Um, oh, but Miami. Yeah, so yeah, the fourth team is in Miami. Miami Beach. Uh, and it's rumored to be Miami Beach. And yeah. and interestingly, they did not have an investor when they went on Twitter, and everybody kind of laughed at them. That's, but if they've if they've applied to Nisa, that means they must have found their investor. That's a different team. Wait, what? That is West Palm Beach. Oh, shit. oh yeah, the breaker. You're talking, are you talking about the breakers? Oh, I, I got those confused. This is another one. This yeah, is another one. And this, this is, is not one. Miami United. No, nope. Miami, nope. Miami Beach. Miami CF. Beach. If the listeners yeah, can see my face right. right now, Miami Beach CF. That's right. Yeah. Playing so actually they have, in Miami Beach. Yeah, they have uh, they they have listed tryouts and uh, they have a little website. They have a little logo and, and an and, Italian investor. And oh, I did see that. I I, I read that part. I read the everything Italian is te- part. everything is teal. Yeah, it's a, as everything has to be in let's, Miami. Let's go. Listen, if I can make two Miami road trips next year, ooh, uh, yeah. yes, let's yeah, go. You can have the Miami road trip. So anyway, so there so might that, be a lot of teams in the U.S. Open Cup because they're professional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what, that's what we're so actually now <laughs> back to. I'm sorry, I took us on that diversion, but back <laughs> back to the second part of his question is. What priority should we place on the Open Cup? That was a seriously professional transition right there. Wow. Uh, so, so if if the rumors about about Nisa uh, are are correct in that it's going to be a showcase in the spring, kind of like the fall was a showcase for them. Yeah. And that the actual season starts fall twenty twenty. Uh, and it and, is and a how, it is a fall spring schedule. However, I know. However, all this looks. Yeah. Whatever. If, if that's if that's still the case, and again, Nisa might die next week, so like the schedule might get up, up, up upended too. Everybody, cross your heart and cross your fingers. Then, if if we're playing just a spring showcase, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it makes sense to prioritize the U.S. Open Cup going forward. Period. But I think it makes a lot of sense to put like all like all the eggs in in the U.S. Like Open you start, Cup. Basket. You start your best eleven in yeah. whatever U.S. Open Cup. I mean, game. honestly, I, I think. And I think you, and you, 
we like the club has always prioritized the U.S. Open. But it, it started made, the best eleven it, they could. Then it doesn't make any sense for a low division club not to do that. No, I mean it no, really doesn't. I mean, it, you know, what do you, what do you, you're, you know, kid, you don't give a third division team kids a run out in the Open Cup. I mean, that doesn't right. make a sense. Yeah, you pl- you well, play the team, you advance far. It's 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 the extra. Yeah. But here's the thing: professional teams don't always though. There are plenty of USL teams who who don't take it seriously. Yeah, and they ended up losing to us. No, and, well, and I'm not I'm not saying that's the way to do it. I think we 100% should prioritize it. And and here's a, a reason that we haven't talked about yet. There's another team in Eastridge that will be in the Open Cup, and they do Open Cup pairings based on geography. Yeah. And it is likely in either our first or our second game, we will be paired with them. If they win their first game and we win our first game, we'll be paired together. Or, or perha- just the first or round. Or potentially or the, the first, first round. Yeah. So I, I think the battle for Chattanooga matters on the field. And I can't imagine a bigger game for um, bragging rights, not because the the other team's a big deal, but because we— There's going to be no one to brag <laughs> to us. But I think that there will there will want a the, the, there will be a, it'll be a grudge match. There will be bad feelings. There yeah. will be a there'll lot be, of there tension. Will be, there will be red cards. There will be uh, there will be some serious angst and disgust. And I think that it's important. And you better believe the dudes in Tampa will be watching that match. Well. If 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 the uh, people in East Ridge are hosting, the t- dudes in Tampa are going to be watching so they can find the other guys. And I think that uh, <laughs> I think that it, the the Open Cup, like you guys said, it it should take priority, especially if it's a spring showcase. If it's a showcase, it should be the number one priority to get as far as we can. And you can't control the Open Cup, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't know what your draw is going to be, you don't know what your travel is going to be. You do know it's probably going to be in the middle of the week. It always is. Yeah. Um, but you prioritize that for the notoriety. For the um, the ability to show other teams that you're you're serious and that you're a big deal, and to show players in other cities and in other areas that you know we've made a big run and we're, we're a serious team against a high level quote unquote competition, and yeah. that doesn't even mention the fact that there you know is that other team. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it covers it. So I think. That is provides us with we got plenty of other stuff to talk about, but we have another podcast that will do so. We will switch over. Uh, my my intent is to get, we are recording on a Thursday. My intent is to get this out before the weekend, and then the the guys at one hundred nine will host uh, this next I guess part four of the fifty two part. <laughs> Man. Boy, we are verbose. <laughs> part four of the fifty-two part uh, season review. Uh, they believe the believe we've only we've talked for about four and a half hours about twenty nineteen. So just oh, imagine if this existed. Just imagine if the three of us were talking a year ago. Just imagine if we let the other two in here to talk. Oh with yeah, us. we may not let them. I don't know. You know, if Todd can't get his internet together, I don't know what's. Going on. <laughs> Can he please move to a place where they have real internet yeah. owned, owned by the public? You yeah, know, I, yeah, the gigabit available everywhere. We, we, you know, I've made calls to try to get EPB to sponsor the pod so that we maybe get him some, maybe get him some internet. <laughs> <laughs> Todd. Get it together, bro. But we we missed you, Todd. We missed you, Jay. Definitely. And, um, so that'll wrap it up, I guess, for for this uh, part of the uh, the 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 review of 2019. Um, as always, we really appreciate everybody listening and and providing those questions and, and reaching out to us on Twitter. Uh, again, you could find the four two three soccer pod on Twitter at four two three soccer pod. Uh, you could find us wherever you find really good podcasts. We are also there as well. 
And uh, so for for me, uh, I'll let um, folks uh, remind you where they you you can find them on the Twitter sphere, and then I will end us. So so this is Matt uh, with the Section One Hundred Nine podcast. You can find the Section One Hundred Nine podcast uh, if you search for it. Uh, <laughs> Section 109 Pod on Twitter and Section 109 Podcast on Instagram, I believe. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. And this is Breezy. You can find me at, at Andrew Breezy on Twitter. Again, this is Jim. You could find me, block me, mute me, whatever you want to do at Chattagooner. Uh, great footballer Todd is not here with us. He would He would be mad at me if I did not say. That for you folks uh, 40 and up, we are also on Facebook at uh, 423 Soccer Pod there. So you can check us out there. Until we talk to you guys again, go CFC. Go Blues. Oh!